Welcome everyone to the B2B Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we have Daniel Christian here. And Daniel has an incredible perspective on how you actually take strategy, like a PowerPoint, marketing strategy, you empower growth, and you turn that into the right kind of growth and PL for your business. So bridging that gap from strategy to PL is what Daniel's an expert on. Now, Daniel's also the SVP of marketing. He's been to the Kellogg Executive uh, Business School. And Daniel, what I'd love to do is maybe have you give us a little bit more about your background, and then we'll get right into the meat of the subject here. Uh, sounds good. So, Steve, thank you for having me on a call, first of all. And it's an incredible privilege to be and talking to other marketers. Right, because uh, the more we share and learn from each other is the best way to growth. And I have learned a great deal from my previous mentors and people that I work for. And my greatest mentor in my whole journey has always been the customer, uh, particularly being into B2B environment, business to business, as you think about, there are so many other factors involved. Your actual customer, you have an influencer, you have people making decisions that don't use your product, you have a user of the product and what. So really boiling it down and learning who your customer is has been my growth journey. And I started as a product manager, you know, taking on less than a 10% of revenue when I first started to build out the product journey and focusing from their point on, always solving the problem that customer has. They don't probably even recognize what the problem they have, but identifying and becoming that authority of voice for a customer is my real passion. And that's what I do as a marketer. And that's what I do internally with my teams and the people I mentor and also managing up with my you know, board of directors and CEOs and other colleagues of uh, senior vice presidents that we work together with. So you're being a little bit modest there because um, understanding the customers is certainly uh, at, at the core of what you're talking about here. But you have a concept which I'm really intrigued by because as marketers, we've all heard of thought leadership, like thought leadership content, establishing ourselves as experts in the industry and, and therefore someone to be listened to. But you have a concept of internal thought leadership. Could you explain a little bit what that is and, and what you mean by that? Absolutely. I think that is uh, that is very unique way of thinking about like, you know, how do you take the external view that you know of by research, knowing your market, you're talking to customers, looking at the industry data and all these other things and kind of aligning that back to internal, you know, with your own internal teams as a, and establishing you as a thought leader is very important because of two reasons. Uh, you know, number one is everyone has some sort of vision or mission statement. And sometimes it just stays on the wall. Right. So when you're talking about things, the best way to really align as a thought leader is to connect all the dots back to your vision, back to your mission. So, so your CEO, your CFO, your chief operating officer, your chief sales officer, all of them have bought into your vision and mission. And now you're telling a story is why is it important for us to do 
from the customer perspective while establishing an internal thought leadership to say, this is why we do what we do. And also really helping them understand the, the nature of marketing is not just put out a new flyer or create a new demand for the problem that they have existed yesterday, but look forward to it, right? We cannot drive a car looking at the back mirror. And most marketers are driving car looking at the back mirror of the customers that we lost yesterday, the, the operations challenges we had yesterday of internal stuff, like in a bog you down looking at the back mirror. You have to drive forward looking at a windshield. What is the opportunity arise in front of you? What are the challenges that we have to foresee before competitors foresee? And that is a thought leadership only marketing can offer by aligning the external strategies, internal strategies, and the roadmap on which the team can walk on and take one step forward ahead of the competition. And you know, what's interesting we talked about right before we hit the record button here was that marketing is one of the, the key players internally that really touches every single department, right? And not every department touches the customer. Not every department is in the executive team leadership meetings and and understands how they individually in that department can help fulfill that vision, right? And make it a reality. And so I, what I took away was that as an internal thought leader, you're not only bringing the vision, the problem, the customer together, but also the departments together so that there's one unified team. And you might say that's a CEO's job or something like that, but marketing has a very functional role, right, in, in doing all of that. So maybe explain a little bit. You talk about the problem, but you talk about not only defining the problem, but adding color to the problem, visualizing the problem, and, and, and that helps the rest of the organization as well. Tell us a little bit about your, your thoughts there. Yeah, absolutely. So what I mean by visualizing the problem is to, when you understand the external perspective, you start to walk in the shoe of a customer. You start to realize the challenges they may be facing dealing with us as a company and also industry in general, right? So you kind of start thinking about all the, all the different things that you got to look for when you visualize a problem by connecting your internal vision and mission all the way to developing uh, the end statement of what would your press release might look like. As an example, you know, uh, think about if you have to write up a press release of the product you're working on or a marketing initiatives you're working on, what would you tell somebody? In a, because it's very powerful tool to use it to say in four sentences, you have to say something in press release. Why is it important? Why should anybody care? And how should it solve the problem differently? So that's how we visualize in a way of really look, looking at 360 view of the whole thing that you're working through. Then you start to add data to that. And that is where still most companies stumble upon because they start adding data that they present to the board of directors, right? Revenue, gross profit, OI, CapEx. All of those are important, but when you're building a brand, you're building a new category, you're establishing yourself as a thought leader, 
have a data that I generally call it as what is the one unit of measure that you will go after that is focused on a customer as a whole. What do they care about? So external thought leadership now comes in a play of what would that data set would be? What would be those KPIs that you can actually present to your customer that that's digestible for them? So that's a different way of thinking about KPIs, right? We always track KPIs that are internal to us, right? But tracking KPIs that are customer-centric, that they care about, because if you know that you're addressing their KPIs, you're accomplishing their KPIs, guess what? You're going to accomplish yours. So it's an entire new set of data, entire new set of KPIs that you're talking about here. And if you could, maybe talk to us a little bit about how do you then translate those customer KPIs internally? Is that a part of that thought leadership, that internal thought leadership that you're talking about that keeps everybody focused on the customer? Because it's very easy to get focused on our own KPIs. We're all very, very good at that, right? But we're not always good at customer KPIs. And as soon as you've developed what they are, then like any good dashboard, you can track them, right? Mm -hmm. So is that a, an important part of that, that internal thought leadership that you were just talking about earlier? Yes, I think it's, it is a paramount in when you're talking about those aspects of customer. And I, you know, depending on the journey of the company and where they are, you know, some of them are still focused on acquiring new customer and you know getting out that message and getting in more customers onboarded and things like that right so those kps could be different because we are looking at first acquisition first sale first shipment first download and different things right so that could be a part of your messaging and part of your kpis you flip it and if a company is established for 10 20 30 40 years now they also have another challenging of retaining those customers that they already onboarded. Those KPIs are different, right? So I also have customer service reporting into me. It's a very unique situation, but it's a blessing to say, because you can now see what is my first call resolution look like, right? Who are those customers calling? Who has called more than once in certain timeframes? So you can start developing other operational KPIs that might give you some insight. Why is 30% of my customer is calling me twice a month? Are there underlying challenges that we need to address? Are there unmet needs we need to uncover? Or is it some digital solution that we could have that probably eliminates some of those issues? Don't think it from cost saving because people jump to that. If I just reduce 30, 40% of call, it relates to three people, so many hours, you know, all those things and cost saving. No, think about the opportunity cost. What if the customer hadn't called you? That means, they have called somebody else. They're still going to make a call, right? right? Don't look at it as a burden. Look at it as an opportunity. So that's what I also consider in a painting a picture is to think about the opportunity cost associated with that for your corporation at the same time for a customer to be dealing with that. So new customer, different KPIs. Retaining customer is a different set of KPIs, different set of thought process. And then developing evangelists, you know, people who are loyal to you, you know, think about, just look at the data and see 
what percentage of your customer has been loyal to you for the last four years, as an example, and how much of the revenue growth and everything is driven by that percentage. You Most companies would be surprised to see that that bucket is 20, 30% or less, but it's producing majority of the growth for the corporation because they, you have already invested the new customer KPIs, all the thought process, the retaining. Now this is a fruit that you have. How do you grow that 20%, nurture that 20% and make it a much more stronger evangelist for you as you move forward with it? Because we, we, we all kind of, the knee-jerk reaction is to say new customers equals the biggest impact in revenue and our profit loss, right? And what you're eloquently pointing out here is that we all know growth from existing customers is the easiest, right? Yet, how much of marketing do we actually, of our time and resources, spend on growing those customers, understanding who those customers are? How do we serve those customers better? It's probably very, very lopsided in terms of how much time we actually spend doing that, where from you know PowerPoint to PNL, the impact on PNL is going to be significant if we spend a good percentage of our time doing that. So I want to come back just a little bit. And you talk a lot about addressing gaps, right? There are industry gaps, there are delivery gaps, you know, with the, the company and the operations. And then there's actually marketing gaps, like gaps that between all of your ICPs and your, you know, your industries and verticals that you're going after, because content represents, you know, your expertise and what you can do and you can deliver, there's marketing gaps and content gaps too. So tell us a little bit more about how you think about those gaps and, and filling those gaps. Yeah, I think that is, that's a very good question because as, as a marketer, like you said before, is going after new, showcasing your capabilities and bringing onboarding new customers is excellent. And most companies do a good job on that front end, right, of creating that the new, new type uh, mindset because we can talk a lot about different things. But now... But the other marketing, the real marketing gap exists is when you are talking with your base customer and looking at the unmet needs of those base customers that you already have and uncovering the needs and, and kind of solving it without solving it, right? Because people don't want to be told. They want to be taught as a journey. So, you know, a lot of emphasis is like as a B2B marketer and what we put on about thinking about the gaps when it comes to the actual case studies that really matter. How did you solve the problem that they had? What solutions that actually turn that customer more profitable or more productive or more efficient in a process and telling that story by different verticals or by different customer segments or by different a product offering and addressing those gaps and not just jumping to the copy paste solution that everyone probably have. Let's have so many searches or let's have so many social posts. Let's have so many of other things, but really understanding that. And sometimes you might find that you actually have a talent gap within your own team because everyone has done the front end stuff so well that all the solutions fall into the same bracket. And it's humbling experience. You might find you have a talent gap also. I don't have a problem addressing, hey, I don't know this. I need to learn. 
And so what is the best source to go learn? Or who are the best expertise? You know, like podcasts like this, listen to and learn from it. But, you know, it's humbling experience to know your own gaps in your own talent pool and your own self at the same time addressing those unmet needs in a way a customer wants it to be addressed. Yeah, it's interesting, the whole idea of a talent gap because in educating yourself and that's what that's what our buyers do, right? Like I, I liked it when you said they don't want to be told, they want to be taught, right? In teaching, that's the notion of thought leadership, right? Is that, you know, experts have the position and the authority and the trust in order to be a teacher and that we need to establish ourselves in that position. And if we have the talent pool internally, fantastic. Most companies are very much subject matter experts in what they do. They're not always subject matter experts in the overall industry and especially all the verticals and, and industries that they're, uh, that they're serving. And so that's, relying on and bringing in the expertise and the talent pool that's all around you that makes a huge difference to those people that you're trying to influence. I love that idea of the talent gap um, because it's it's not something even within your own marketing department, but you're talking about the subject matter experts, right? Internally. Yes. I would I would guess that the majority of companies have a subject matter talent gap internally, but tapping into the external talent and bringing it in and validating what you're doing and what you're saying, because this is something we talked about earlier too, right? In the end, you're a company that's selling, right? So you know, the case studies you put together, all the content you put together, it's going to be from the point of view of the company. But when you bring in conversations and discussions and point of views from other subject matter experts, that aren't necessarily a replacement for your talent gap, but they add, yes. right? And then and you get to get the rub off of that talent and having them validate what you're saying. That's huge. Just like reviews are customer validations of what you're saying, subject matter experts externally are validations of what you're saying as well in a very different and positive way. Well, yeah, I um, think so. I yeah, think that's why it's important to bring in other team members throughout the company and getting their perspective when it talks about the talent gap, because they might have a different view. You know, it's a great example I have is back in my, my leading my past life and I was leading product and marketing both. I had brought on board a procurement manager as a product leader. And everybody's thought like, why do we do that? Like, you know, because it's procurement manager. You know, he's a procurement right. guy. He knows how to buy stuff. I was like, yeah, but he knows where the new innovations are coming from because he's talking to all these external vendors that call him every day with the new solutions. Mm -hmm. So he at least have that view of things that you and I don't know today. And so it's okay to have external view like this and plus, he's a great negotiator because he knows where the things are and how do you find them. And it was a great hire. You know, it's a great promotion internally. But we understood internally is if I need to go outside of my bound, I need a subject matter expert who can bring that. So just an example of talent gap and where you can look for those talent gaps within the, the resource pool that you have. So I want to ask you something before we run out of time, and that is, in terms of marketing gap and talent gaps, 
what that turns into is content gaps, right? Because our expertise, our recommendations, what we do, our de entire gen demand generation is, is from the content that we create. So before we get into those specific content gaps, if you could just give us an understanding in your opinion of just the importance of content in representing what the company does and the solutions and its expertise, how important is that content to the overall growth and success of the company? One, not important at all. 10, it's vital. Where would you put that and why? I would say it's anywhere from between eight to nine and a half as, as, as high, I, I would almost say 10 is a vital, depending on the journey you are on as a, as a corporation and who you are going after, right? So if you're truly discipline yourself in growing the whole pie and not just new customer, but growing the whole pie as a corporation, and contributing to growing the whole pie, it becomes extremely vital to have a appropriate content for the appropriate audiences. Like I said earlier, is not do not copy paste content as is for everything, because nobody wants to be told; they want to be taught. So the way I can be taught is very different than the way you can be taught. So you have to appropriate the content. And it is a hard thing for marketers to do to really put on that truly a content hat on and say how this would be consumed. And if we can do that effectively, it's more than 10, it's 11, 12, 13, if you can really produce that level of content. You know, most marketers produce a content that basically copy paste or some old post and revalidating re things. And that's when internally it becomes harder to sell that because they're like, I don't see a value. But if you can truly connect the dots in the right way, everyone would get on board. It's extremely vital in that sense. So you talk about the degree of difficulty, right? Because that is the hard stuff. You know, we, we all talk about and can talk about and can write about our own products and services <laughs> where we are the ultimate subject matter experts in that. But that content that teaches from the perspective of an expert, that's the hard stuff, right? And that's where you have to understand the industry and the trends and the knowledge base and the new things that are happening. And you have to be able to see into the future. And so that's why it's hard, right? That's yep. why it's hard to create. But you started putting it, if you can do that, you started putting, you broke the scale. <laughs> you went yes. to 12, 13, right? Because that's going to spark conversation, right? That's going to be the kind of content that our buyers want because it's going to help educate them and not be told, but taught. So if you could wrap up everything that we've been talking about here and say, if there was one thing that I wanted you to take away from this conversation, what would that be for our audience of executive marketers? Yeah, so I think uh, if, if I were to pick one thing, you know, uh, you know, I, I talk about customer and journeys and painting a picture and what, but the way you can boil down everything to one is I call it a unit of measure as a singular point. What is that unit of measure in your business or in your area that you are solving that matters to customer? Just one simple truth. And it 
cannot be gross profit. It cannot be revenue. It cannot be OI. Something that's tangibly different that customer care. And if you can uncover the unit of measure and you can expound on that and write everything around that, how is that helping from content to marketing to business strategies or even having a PowerPoint that's powerful enough to generate PNL. If you surround yourself in that one sense and really grow it, it becomes very, very effective way of going from PowerPoint to your PNL journey and profitable PNL, hopefully, and profitable growth as it produced for your company. So when you talk about a unit of measure, are you talking about a unit of measure externally, internally? Can you give us a little bit more of an understanding about that? Yep. So I believe the unit of measure is rooted into external and internal bridging as a sense. So something that customer cares about, at the same time, something that internal team can also understand. It's generally one level below what you guys think. Like a lot of people might say, if you're in building product, a window manufacturer, a garage door, or a front door, you might say unit, like how many units I sold. Well, that's very subjective because depending on the, the market, depending on whatever, those all have up and down values. But the underlying measure could be a linear feed. If you go talk to your customer and say, I can help you sell more linear feed, automatically you're going to sell more units. Automatically it's going to generate more revenue. Automatically it's just going to create more better optimization of fixed costs because you have a lot more linear feed going out the door. And so in a B2B, you have to pick that unit of measure that is a bridge between you and your customer that could really help both of us grow profitably. Because I can tell, look into the eye of the garage door dealer and say, I can help you sell more linear feed. And it's like, excellent, because it will help them grow. It can help us grow. So find that that's one level below what you consider unit today. I love that. Here's, here's another analogy on that, which is I was just talking to um, a company and their executives on, and they're uh, a company, their ICP is ICOs, and they um, have a online tool, cash flow management tool, a whole system for CFOs in these companies. And they said, really, what these CFOs want is they want more cash on hand right, in order to help grow the business. So that unit of measure could be cash on hand, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily subscriptions to the to the to the tool that that they're selling, but that's a unit of measure, and I like that in terms of a unit of measure that bridges the gap between what they want and what we sell. And if we yes. both focus on the same thing, more doors, more cash, right? Then we actually have a common language that we can talk internally, and it, and it affects everything. Thank you. I'm glad I asked that wrap-up question there. Well, you know, Daniel, if if somebody wanted to talk to you, is LinkedIn a good place that if we put up a link to to follow you or message you on LinkedIn, would that be the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, that's a that's the best place on on LinkedIn. You know, it's my up to date profile there, and on LinkedIn there is a link to my website also, so they can connect with me. Anytime. If they have any questions about what I just talked about, want to learn more about the unit of measure or something, I'll be happy to facilitate a call and see how I can help out. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing the insights today. Um, like we said earlier, I'm sure this could have gone on a lot longer, um, but I'm glad we got the highlights and your insights. I appreciate you coming on the show. Truly appreciate you for having me on. Thank you.